The date is April 13th, 1973. You are a hospice nurse in Hindenburg Nursing Home in Dresden, Germany. You're here on an internship from the United States, getting an education in a local university. Your father is a native German, your mother is British, and they emigrated to the United States after World War II. You're caring for a mentally unstable patient. He's had Parkinson's disease since 1944. He's finally on his deathbed. You look back in the monitor. His heart beeps. Bump bum. Bump bum. Bump bum. The monitor is still very active. Beep. 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 This man has had a long life. You look back at the monitor. Beep. Adolf Hitler just died. Welcome to Imagine If, the alternate history podcast. I'm your host, Brody Burton, and this is our episode on an alternate of World War II, the conflict that shook up all the continents of the world. It took down superpowers such as Germany, Italy, and Japan, and ravaged others such as France and Great Britain. It left the United States of America and the Union of Socialist Soviet Republics as the two superpowers on planet Earth. It set up an epic struggle that lasted until the end of the century. It caused the formation of alliances like the North Atlantic Treaty Organization and the Warsaw Pact. It set up the borders of modern Europe, Asia, and North Africa. It even caused nations to split with rivalries that lasted this day like North and South Korea. It ended an era and began another. World War II was a relatively simple conflict. On one side, you have the Axis powers, a coalition of Italy, Japan, and Germany, who supported nationalist and fascist policies. On the other side, you have the Allied powers of Great Britain, France, the United States, and the Soviet Union, also known as the USSR, supporting freedom and capitalism, with the latter supporting communism. Adolf Hitler was elected Chancellor of Germany on January 30th, 1933. His was one of many fascist regimes cropping up in Europe. In Italy, Mussolini had come to power. Spain was going through a civil war, with fascists ultimately winning out in 1936. Bulgaria and Romania were also overpowered by fascists. Japan had an emperor who functioned as the supreme ruler of Japan, a fascist. Even the allied nation of the USSR was run by an authoritarian leader, Joseph Stalin. However, World War II was about more than ideologies. Adolf Hitler, after becoming chancellor and later president of Germany, killed millions of Jews, minorities, homosexuals, and others deemed un-Aryan. This was the second largest genocide in human history, only following the slaughter of American natives from 1492 to 1900. Just think, in two decades, one man, one nation, one political party caused enough death and destruction to match that of hundreds of years. Almost all of Europe fell into Hitler's hands. Austria, Czechoslovakia, Poland, the Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, France, Denmark, Norway, from the Bay of Biscay to the Black Sea, no one had conquered as much of Europe except for Napoleon, Caesar, and Charlemagne. Initially, Great Britain and France were the only nations who stood up to fight the, against the Nazi war machine. It wasn't until Hitler attacked the Soviet Union and the Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor caused the United States to enter the war did the Axis powers see a true incapacity to win. Except, of course, by a miracle. This is where we diverge from our history. The point in which history goes different. Adolf Hitler recruits another ally, Spain, and instead of attacking Russia, attacks Portugal. Japan suffers a string of losses that causes him to divert forces away from the planned Hawaiian bombing and fully attack China. Now to the question of, imagine if the United States and the Soviet Union 
never entered World War II. Poland fell first in September 1939, causing the Fourth Republic of France and the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland to declare war on the Berlin-Rome Axis and the Anti-Comintern Pact, also known as the Axis Powers. On April 9, 1940, Denmark was invaded and Copenhagen surrendered. Norway lasted until June 9, two months later. Then, the German wrath moved west. The city-state of Luxembourg fell first, May 10, 1940. The Netherlands fell short four days later. Belgium survived a whole two weeks after the Dutch surrender, but ultimately was crushed by Nazis. Then came the first big hit to the Allied powers. The French Empire, built by legends like Charlemagne and Napoleon Bonaparte, with a presence on six continents, signed an armistice, seating all of the nation's Atlantic coast and northern half. The Eiffel Tower, the Louvre, all of Paris, all of French culture, conquered by the Nazis. Southern France had a public government set up known as Vichy France, due to the capital being in the southern French city of Vichy. However, the French government in exile survived in London until D-Day. In the background of this, the Union of Socialist Soviet Republics had conquered nation after nation, Finland, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. Over the course of the summer and fall, Germany had launched an aerial campaign known as the Battle of England. At the time, however, it was called the Battle of Britain by the British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. On November 1st, Germany began deploying paratroopers on English soil. They launched invasions from Normandy, the northern province of France. The Battle of Dover was one of the bloodiest of the war, but soon, much of England along the English Channel was in German hands. Things in British colonies weren't better, as the self-same day Egypt was invaded by Italy from occupied Libya. Slovakia and Hungary joined the Axis powers. Then, there's the election in the United States of America. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was the popular Democratic president who had served since 1933. He had won the American public's favor, but his plan to pack the Supreme Court deterred many higher-ups in the Democratic Party. He also had another challenge. No presidents had served more than two terms. The United States seemed to be en route for war. The Democrats were divided on the issue of war, and the party had a tripartite split. Southerners supported the intervention and were the conservative faction, who became the Democrat Party in the 1940 election, and they nominated former chair of the Democratic Party and incumbent postmaster general, James Farley. The New Deal Party was the pro-intervention liberal party, who supported all of FDR's policies. They nominated former Secretary of Agriculture, Henry A. Wallace. The final split of the Democratic Party was the Federalists, the anti-intervention liberals, who supported Vice President John Nance Gardner. The Republican Party, the conservative pro-intervention faction, supported Robert A. Taft, the incumbent senator from Ohio and son of an earlier president, William Howard Taft. When Election Day came, everyone was in for a surprise. Each candidate won around 130 electoral votes. The South was all for the Democrats. The Mid-Atlantic seaboard was primarily Federalist, although Delaware and New Jersey threw a lot in with the New Deal Party. The Southwest and Pacific seaboard was also for the New Deal Party. Republicans won much of the Great Plains and won every Great Lakes state except Ohio, which went Democrat. New England was very divided. 
with Maine and Vermont voting for the Republican Party, Massachusetts and Rhode Island voting for the New Deal Party, and New Hampshire and Connecticut voting for the Federalists. Pockets of Federalists won other states like Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, and Minnesota. States along border lines split their electoral votes. New York, with the most electoral votes, for example, split them between all four parties. Federalists taking 20, New Deal taking 19, Democrats won 5, and Republicans won 3 electoral votes. Missouri split her between three parties, and Utah gave one vote to each. The election was only the fourth, which resulted in no apparent winner. Previous, though, Congress had passed a new amendment, which would give the power to vote in case of a tie back to the people, and the top three candidates would be the only ones who could be voted for. If that failed to produce a candidate, it would go down to the top two in the final runoff. This system disqualified the Federalist candidate, James Farley. A month later, when a runoff election was held, the Democrats swept the South. Republicans gained Missouri, and the New Deal Party assumed much of the former Federalists and won the state of New York. Wallace won the most electoral votes, but was 54 votes shy of the needed 266. The final election was Wallace versus Garner with a harsh north-south split. The northernmost state won by Wallace was Nebraska. The southernmost state won by Garner was Illinois. Ultimately, Henry A. Wallace was elected the 34th Commander-in-Chief of the United States. Japan was making advances in Asia. French Indochina and British Singapore had both fallen. On May 30th, 1942, international leaders met in Nazi-occupied Netherlands to discuss a peace treaty. The terms were harsh. Spain fully annexed Portugal. Italy fully annexed Albania, Greece, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Slovenia, Libya, the Near East, Serbia, and Egypt. Germany annexed a swath of land from Poland to England, from Austria to Norway. France dissolved and its African colonies were split between Germany, Japan, and Italy, and its New World's colonies were given to Germany. The UK also lost all her colonies and they were split between the Axis. France ceased to exist, and the UK dissolved into Cornwall, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland united with the rest of Ireland in 1944, but the rest of the former UK wasn't so lucky. England had been annexed. Cardiff, Plymouth, and Edinburgh all had puppet governments. Switzerland and Sweden were the only nations in all of mainland Europe who had not fallen to the Axis powers. The Allies were dead. The Treaty of Amsterdam led to an international outrage. Joseph Stalin and Henry Wallace met in San Francisco to discuss what the plan of action was going to be. Nazi Germany was now the leader of Europe. Japan was the leader of Asia after annexing China. A covert operation was set up by Nazi and Japanese secret forces attempted to get rid of American, Canadian, and Soviet officials. Henry Wallace was hated by most Americans. John Yance Garner, former FDR vice president, liberal-turned-conservative Texan, ran against Henry S. Truman after, the Wall after Wallace lost the Democratic nomination. Truman got defeated in a landslide election, winning only three states. Garner was pro-intervention to dissolve German, Japanese, and Italian empires. 
he invited Joseph Stalin, the, the Prime Minister of Canada, as well as leaders from Australia, Sweden, Switzerland, Turkey, India, who had gained independence because neither Japan nor Germany felt they could hold the colony, Brazil, New Zealand, and others met in Dallas, in Carter's home state of Texas, in July 1945. They formed the new Allied powers. Then, after the week-long event, Garner and Stalin flew to Edinburgh, where they consolidated Scotland, Wales, and Cornwall to Britannica, and began to build an army to retake England, effectively overthrowing their puppet governments. Hitler got concerned with the growth of these neo-allies. Meanwhile, in the shadow of the public eye, Italy, Germany, Japan, America, Canada, Brazil, Britannica, and the Soviet Union had all developed nuclear weapons. Even more secret? Germany had developed an incredibly potent biological weapon, which combines bleach with an airborne virus to incinerate DNA. American and Soviet spy attempts fortunately infiltrated the German labs and were able to create a cure. However, the SS shut down and murdered everyone who they thought to be spies. And when it finally leaked, that 10 million people had been murdered in Nazi death camps, commonly known as concentration camps, the world was set for war. World War III began when Mexico announced they had joined the Axis powers and launched a surprise attack in the United States. They stormed through Southern California, capturing Los Angeles October 15, 1946. The war quickly blew up globally. Of course, the United States retaliated. They invaded Sonora, Chichuria, and other northern Mexican provinces. Yucatan revolted against Mexico. In Europe, Cornwall fell, but President and York were captured from Britannica by Britannica. The Soviets went through Poland. A large land war occurred on the Swedish and Norwegian border. Switzerland held out for a very long time, but ultimately collapsed in May of 1946. China had a large revolution, stemming out of Wuhan, but growing to encompass the entire Japanese-held Asian continent. Ethiopia joined the revolutions. Britannica finally advanced to take London, but was shocked to find gas chambers in former synagogues. Then came the truest shock. A mushroom cloud grew over San Francisco on July 4th, 1947. The American Air Force intercepted bombers that would have dropped nuclear weapons on New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, Toronto, and Vancouver. Soviets lost Kiev. Glasgow, the capital of Britannica, was also lost. As Brazil invaded Argentina, they found the advancement plans for the Axis on July 5th, a day after the San Francisco bombing. The Allies took advantage of the rage and information and launched a naval invasion of France, Italy, Denmark, and Spain that same week. Soon, Axis nations began to collapse. Hungary and Slovakia were the first. Bulgaria and Romania followed. Portugal, Galicia, Navarre, and Aragon all revolted from Spain. Who surrendered next? America, the Soviets, Canadians, Brazilians, and Indians launched a nuclear counterattack. Berlin, Naples, and Tokyo all received weapons of a nuclear gauge. Rome was only saved because hundreds of thousands of historians, Catholics, and environmentalists petitioned the government to spare the Pope, the people, and the historic city. Germany and Japan 
they were not spared. Germany and Japan collapsed. Italy surrendered. World War III was over. However, the fallout from the World Wars was not over yet. Germany had committed so many war crimes, a joint judicial committee of British, Canadian, Soviet, and American officials, led by Chief Justice Robert H. Jackson of the United States Supreme Court, would try each Nazi official, each Japanese official, each official suspected of war crimes in the World Wars. A swath of officials were indicted for life. The Frankfurt Trials, as they were called, gave a clear definition of war crimes. Many Nazi officials were locked up for life, but one got away. Adolf Hitler, mastermind of World War II and World War III, diagnosed with Parkinson's and was sent to a nursing home in Dresden. He died there on April 13, 1973, with the only person there by his side being a hospice worse nurse. Many parts of Germany might never recover. Nations of Europe split up the pieces of the mess. Sweden annexed Norway and Denmark to form the Scandinavian Union. Former allies, including France and Portugal, were re-established. England was given to Britannica, who united with Ireland to form the Greater Britannica. Yugoslavia, Greece, Austria-Hungary, Czechoslovakia, Poland, Naples, Florence, Venice, Bavaria, Aragon, Granada, Galicia, Lyon, Navarre, and Prussia gained independence. However, Bavaria was occupied by the Soviets, Prussia by the U.S., and the remainder of Germany split north-south, with Britain, with Greater Britannica occupying the north and France occupying south. The Netherlands, China, Belgium, Luxembourg, and Ethiopia all gained independence. Japan and Korea were split north-south and north being Soviet occupied in the south being occupied by the Americans. Italy and Spain were not occupied but lost massive territory. Spain renamed herself Castile, and, and Italy lost much of the Italian peninsula, and renamed herself the Republic of Roma. President Gardner was very popular and was re-elected in 1949 by a wide margin, with former General Dwight D. Eisenhower elected vice president. The Democrats nominated former Missouri Congressman Harry S. Truman, who ran for president several times but lost each time. He is one of very few presidential candidates to suffer this in the Cold War era. Garner helped immensely with European Reconstruction and laid the cornerstone of the new French Capitol building in Paris. He repealed many out-of-date New Deal policies, including Social Security, which hurt his standing, but later historians believe this may have put America several trillion dollars in debt, though we may never know for sure. Meanwhile, the Republican Party saw new rising stars. General Dwight D. Eisenhower led American troops in England, France, and Belgium during World War III and had become very popular in the post-war years. Then, leading legislation to assist Europe, the conservative Republicans George M. Romney of Michigan and Richard M. Nixon of California. Between 1949 and 1953, most of Western Europe, as well as the Balkans, had recovered by 70%. However, there were still problems in Germany. As was predicted during the war, the two superpowers, the United States and the Soviet Union, would likely create a conflict. Fortunately for the people of the world, these nations had both seen firsthand the dangers of nuclear weapons. Now, San Francisco, Glasgow, Kiev, Berlin, and Tokyo lay in ruins from the war, and to stop further nukings, 23 nations from around the world met in Geneva, Switzerland to form the United Nations, a 
successor to the League of Nations. Its governing board consisted of seven nations, and the Super Seven, as they were nicknamed. Five spots would ha would be permanent. The United States, Greater Britannica, France, the Soviet Union, and China. Two other slots were elected, Brazil and Canada being the first elected to the five-year term. The UN's very first resolution banned strategic firing of nuclear weapons. However, the lack of nuclear threat from the United States caused communism to spread. India was the first major nation to adopt it. A revolution in China failed to install communism there. Poland, Austria-Hungary, Czechoslovakia, and Yugoslavia all adopted communism. The Balkan War broke out in 1951 between Greek, Romanian, and Bulgarian governments and various communist revolutions. And then came the biggest shock of all. North Africa, Middle East, and Turkey had all united after World War III. They had become Greater Arabia. They met with Soviet officials in Baku and formed the Baku Cooperative, an alliance between them and other communist nations. Of course, there was widespread rebellion in the Islamic world, as communism was generally considered atheist. However, leaders in Cairo, the capital, assured that Islam was the one faith they would allow, and even at that, they would only allow the Sunni branch of Islam. India, Arabia, and the Soviets were the pillars of the cooperation. So when America, Britannica, and France met in Amsterdam to unite Germany and France as the Federal Republic of Germany, the Soviets refused to join. A very similar event happened with Japan. Then came McCarthyism. Senator McCarthy was a Republican from Wisconsin. He was staunchly conservative and a rising star with Romney and Nixon in the Republican Party. For the most powerful party of the era, this was a big deal. So when McCarthy accused various congressmen, actors, and ecclesiastical leaders of being communists and inherently anti-American, congressional hearings convicted hundreds of Americans. Hearings were later expanded to include professors and governors, but no major figures were convicted. The accusations had launched McCarthy to the public stage, and he seemed like a potential future presidential nominee after Eisenhower was elected, that is. Eisenhower was seen as Gardner's heir apparent. For the Democrats, Lyndon B. Johnson of Texas, John F. Kennedy of Massachusetts, and Harry S. Truman of Missouri all looked viable. The next election cycle rolled around. The Eisenhower-McCarthy ticket was powerful. They won the 1952 election in a landslide against Lyndon B. Johnson. Continued aid for Europe and Asia happened, but the U.S. and Soviet Union had emerged the true champions of the war. As the 1950s closed with Eisenhower's two-term presidency, the Republican Party seemed unstoppable. Since the days of Abraham Lincoln, only four Democrats had been in the White House. As Vice President McCarthy was promoted by the American people to the presidency, two major nominees for vice president emerged. It was well felt within the Republican Party that whoever was McCarthy's running mate would be the next president, following McCarthy. George Romney and Richard Nixon both won an honor. As they fought over the seat, Richard Nixon emerged victorious. One of the major issues of the day was more diverse than communism. Civil rights and the space race were both very popular and triumphed by Republicans. In opposition, Democrats were primarily in favor of reforms. A rift emerged in the Republican Party. Many southern states, 
saw civil rights as inherent evil. Governor Wallace of Alabama would even lead a third party, the American Party, in the 1960-1964 elections. When McCarthy entered the White House, scandal began to erupt. Rumors began to circle that McCarthy was paying off various organizations to silence Democrat opposition, whom McCarthy had labeled communist. Nixon supported this policy, and this led to the biggest political scandal seen in decades, maybe even ever. The yellow impeachment, as it was called, led to McCarthy being the first Republican president to be impeached. As the vote went to the Senate, McCarthy and Nixon's political careers were pronounced dead. McCarthy was impeached and removed in 1962. Nixon survived by one vote. Nixon's two years were an attempt to clean up McCarthy's mistakes and to situate Nixon in a good standing, but alas, it failed. In the 1964 election, the Republicans lost in a landslide. Nixon stood no chance to JFK's good looks and likability. Kennedy threw his support behind civil rights and, con- and continued space race policies, but made major poverty reform. The poverty rate from- fell from 22.4% during the 1950s to a shockingly low 10%. Kennedy's re-election was almost assured. That is, except many Democrats disagreed with Kennedy's civil rights stance. It was also revealed that Kennedy had an affair with Marilyn Monroe. Republicans, Republican George Romney took the White House in 1968 by only 1 million votes. Romney was very popular in the White House and made the famous first call to the moon, where Buzz Aldrin had become the first person to walk upon a celestial body, aside from Earth. Mr. Aldrin, today marks a historic day for many of us, the first man to walk upon the moon. The Bible tells us to multiply and replenish the earth, and now look at us. Maybe we can settle and make beautiful the moon, as we have the earth. America and the Soviet Union saw a very odd event after the moon was within humanity's grasp. A race to colonize the moon began. America and the USSR are by far the largest colonies, but Arabia, China, Britannica, and Canada were by no means lacking. In September 1971, the USSR ran out of funds. Massive debt had resulted from World War III and lunar colonization, and riots were at an all-time high from the, both the political right and the political left. The left attacked the USSRs along with certain religions, while the right attacked the suppression of freedoms. On October 1st, 1971, Ukraine, Siberia, and Finnish rebel groups declared independence. A day later, Cossack declared independence. Turkmenistan followed next. The Soviet Union was in civil war. After Blue October and Bloody November 1971, the USSR dissolved into several republics, namely Finland, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, fin- Ukraine, Georgia, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Kazakh, Turkmen, and Siberia, with the remainder of the USSR being renamed the Socialist People's Republic of Russia, or the SPRR. Now America was alone on the global stage as a superpower. Arabia collapsed soon after, but that was a long time coming. Between 1971 and 1975, every major communist and socialist nation throughout the planet fell, aside from the SPRR. George Romney was an international hero. His inter- 
His re-election was a given in 1972. He won by a very large margin, winning every state except Washington, D.C. The margin the win shocked the world, and Democrats were devastated. They needed a new face to revive the party in 1976, when Romney would be out of office. They found that face in Jimmy Carter, who had the potential to break the South. The Republicans had two major candidates, Gerald Ford and Ronald Reagan. It was the Speaker of the House versus the movie star turned governor. Ronald Reagan was, of course, selected with Ford as his vice presidential candidate. Another major Republican sprouted up, though. Texas Governor George Herbert Walker Bush was, was a serious candidate. In 1976, Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan were both very attractive and popular people. It all boiled down to policy. Carter's mild progressivism versus Reagan's deep conservatism. The election was close, but Carter won. However, Carter proved to be a very poor commander-in-chief. Although socialism and communism were dead, a new ideology threatened America. Terrorism. In the former Arabian state of Iran, the American embassy was taken hostage. In the 500-day crisis, Jimmy Carter proved ineffective in releasing the hostages. When they finally were released, it had been 502 days, 7 hours, and 4 minutes since their capture. Ronald Reagan was elected, and he proved more effective. Huge tax cuts were achieved, but not all was great. On May 18, 1980, during the Carter administration, Mount St. Helens in Washington State erupted. Thousands of homes were lost. During the Reagan administration, the National Emergency Preparedness Act, NEPA, was passed, giving aid to disasters that would hurt the United States. It's only been used twice to date, once in 2005 and again in 2017, after hurricanes hit the Gulf Coast. During the Reagan administration, Democrats began to rebuild their agenda, championing their environmentalism movement. George Herbert Walker Bush served two terms following Reagan's two, but afterward, William Bill Clinton of the Democrat Party beat Republican candidate Bob Dole in an upset election. Vast environmental policies were initiated, but terrorist prevention measures were repealed. Then on July 4, 2000, terrorists from the group Al-Qaeda sent a suicide bomber to one of President Reagan's press conferences, effectively killing him and First Lady Hillary Clinton. Vice President Al Gore accelerated to the White House, with Speaker of the House Dennis Hassart being elevated to the Vice Presidency, the first pair of politicians to serve as President and Vice President of different parties since the, 197, since the 1797 to 1801 Presidency of John Adams, a Federalist, and Vice President Thomas Jefferson, a Democratic-Republican. The terrorist group is not done yet. They had targeted the World Trade Center in New York City, the Capitol Building in Washington, D.C., and the Golden Gate Bridge just outside San Francisco. The plot was, to put, it, the plot was put into motion on September 23, 2001. Four planes took off from San Francisco, Dulles, and John F. Kennedy International Airports. A naval pilot on board the flight in Washington, D.C. saw the events happen and saved the plane by killing the terrorists with a gun he had on hand and landed the plane safely in Charleston, West Virginia. In San Francisco, the plane la landed just after the Golden Gate Bridge, saving thousands of lives. However, the World Trade Center, often called the Twin Towers, fell in New York City.
President Al Gore was later reported to have shut down anti-terrorist operations, causing a massive uproar. He was the second president to be impeached and removed, putting Dennis Hassard into the White House in 2004. However, Hassard refused the Republican nomination. George W. Bush ran against John Kerry and handily won. 2004 also marked a watershed election. Illinois Senator Barack Obama was on the vice president ticket. Bush served from 2005 to 2013 as a very popular president, countering terrorism and building the U.S. military to new heights. Barack Obama was the Democrat nominee in 2012, defeating, defeating other populists in the Democrat Party, such as Joseph Biden and Bernie Sanders, in the primary. Bush's successor was a little harder to come by. Many major candidates entered the playing field. Among them were business tycoon Donald J. Trump, Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney, Texas Senator Ted Cruz, and former Vice President Dick Cheney. Cheney proved very unpopular, and Romney wasn't very popular either, despite his name. Between Trump and Cruz, who won in the end. The election was very close. Cruz had the popularity of Bush. Obama had the appeal of being the first black president. And many important states like Ohio, Florida, and Pennsylvania came in very close. But in the end, Barack Obama won the White House. In 2016, he ran again against Mitt Romney, but won again. Currently in the 2020 race, there's a thick field of candidates in both parties. Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, and Nancy Pelosi all have proved strong Democrat candidates. While the Republicans have their pick from Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, and Ted Cruz, although Donald Trump has expressed interest in running. Trump is seen as too unpopular to potentially win the White House. This month, August 2020, both parties will have their conventions and choose their candidates in what looks to be a very close election. This has been an episode of Imagine It, where we explored a possible way history may have ended up. I'm your host, Brody Burton. This is a po- this podcast is a work of fiction. All people, places, and events are fictional or incidental. This content does not necessarily reflect the opinions of myself, any associated with the production of Imagine If, or any person mentioned. If you enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to subscribe to Imagine If on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening now. Thank you. Enjoy your day.